ML Nation, episode 176. Good leaders have vision. Everybody's going to tell you in their business they have vision. Great leaders know how to give vision. It's communicating to one their worth and potential so well that they see it in themselves. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chan. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. Hey, MLM Nation, before going to today's show, just want to recommend something really happy really helped me out back in 2004, 2005, and really uh, I still read it today, cover to cover, is Networking Times. You know, personal development is really important, and if you like this show, uh, Networking Times is kind of like the print version of ML Nation. It features all the top leaders and also people who contribute to the profession, and also entrepreneurs, such as like Richard Branson, um, Just to, that's the first one that come off the uh, top of my mind, um, that been on the cover Really, and it's also, it also has a lot of other uh, leaders on the cover, but I'm just, that's the first one I can think of, the big, big names, right? Uh, really awesome content, cover to cover, teaches you from prospecting, marketing. Like you said, it's really like the, like the sibling version of ML Nation, everything on print. And I still remember back in 04, 05, made a huge impact on me. I used it as a pros- prospecting tool and also a belief builder for my downlines. I will gift out through those subscriptions as well. So definitely check it out. Go to mlnation.net forward slash times. MLMation.net forward slash times. Go check it out. And now, let's go to today's show. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I am fired up to bring our special guest today, Rob Sperry. Rob, are you ready to make it happen? I'm ready. I'm excited. Rob Sperry has been a dynamic network marketing leader since 2008 and has built an organization in over 40 countries. He's been a top recruiter and is a master at creating systems to help the average person succeed. Rob loves empowering people to become better than they ever thought they could be. Rob and his beautiful wife and four kids live out in Lehigh, Utah. So Rob, I've given MLM Nation just a brief intro, but please share more about your background and how you came across network marketing. Absolutely. So I was the tennis guy. I grew up playing tennis, traveling all around the country, aspired to be a professional tennis player. And as I was doing that, I ended up getting married to my lovely wife. I wasn't planning on getting married at such a young age at 23 years old. But, you know, when you find the right one, you got to I tell everybody you got to get them and you got to seal the deal. And so I sealed the deal. I figured as she got older, maybe she'd smarten up and realize that there were there were better prospects. So I married up. I got extremely fortunate. And when that happened, I quit college tennis, stopped playing, and started teaching tennis because that was really the only thing that I knew, and so that was comfortable. I did that for several years, and then I got my dream job where at age 24 years old because I started teaching tennis a little bit before I met my wife, and then as, as I got those, uh, as I got married, I uh, did that for another year, got my dream job at age 24 where I ran a tennis club for four years and at the tennis club it's one of those places where some of the most successful people are at there were billionaires at the tennis club multi-millionaires all over the place and so I quickly realized after being a year at the tennis club there was no way I was going to make any more money so I bought every small business magazine every entrepreneur magazine and I asked every single person I could I could come up with there and I said what did you do how did you make your money you've been successful So I'd go over to all these multi-million dollar earners, their homes, and I'd start to question them and start to get mentored by them. And so I got trained on hard money lending. I got trained a little bit on the stock market. I got trained on, on real estate. I got trained on starting your own business and franchises. And then one individual actually approached me about network marketing. He was a six figure monthly earner. One of the legends in the industry had been in the industry for 20 plus years and he didn't approach me about network marketing for three years because he was retired. And finally, he said, you know what? You're so coachable. You're so teachable. He said, you're so hungry. He said, I'm going to teach you exactly what I do. And so I thought it was going to be real estate. So I'm all excited. And then he tells me it's network marketing. 
And I actually, Simon, I got to tell you, I rolled my eyes because I live in Utah and it seems like there's a company every single block. And I said, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Network marketing? And so that's really how I, I got started. It was the last thing I thought I was ever going to do, but it was uh, the right time of my life and it was the right person that at that time that I had developed a relationship of trust with that approached me about the business. So I have a curiosity. I mean, um, you had a really good attitude because most people just work at the tennis job and they go in, they get paid, and they go home. But you actually had ambition. You, I mean, that's an awesome place. How about expanding your network? I mean, at a tennis club, you have millionaires, billionaires going there. Aside from this MLM legend, um, who was another memorable person that you felt that really helped you, that you met through this tennis club? Yeah, there were so many that come to mind, but one individual who comes to mind was a guy by the name of Robert, and he was always just giving me life advice. He told me, you know, the first half of your life, you're going to do everything you can to make as much money as you possibly can. And he said after that, it becomes about significance. He says there's a reason why you've got the billionaires that are still working. And he pointed out an individual now that, that is a billionaire that he's really close friends with that we both knew. And he said, look, why does he still work? He's like, why do I still work? Because it ends up being more than just the money. And I couldn't fathom that. I wanted to understand that. But I thought in my mind, it's always these people that have made all this money that tell you it's not about the money. And I always thought, well, that's easy to say because you've made so much money. But it, it also gave me perspective that life was bigger than just money. He taught me and several others taught me as well the value of relationships. And I was just so impressed that so many successful people were so willing to help. And I think that's kind of a common myth. People are so scared to approach people that are extremely successful, but they're actually the most willing to help. It's like they've already had their success. And so they're competitive with themselves but not as much with everybody else. They're more secure with themselves, and now they want more meaning in life, more significance, and they want to pay it forward. So that was a huge, huge insight that I was able to learn at a very young age at the tennis club. You know, that brings up memories of when I first got started in MLM. This is, you know, I've been in the business for maybe 14 months, in January 2005. And uh, this is when I was still part-time working, you know, with uh, basketball players and stuff. And this guy met Curtis. Uh, I met him actually. He wanted to do a deal with Yao Ming. And through my friendship with Yao Ming, I knew him through my friend Wang, who I worked with, friends of Yao Ming. Uh, and he, like, you basically reminded me, like, he, this guy was worth probably like $50 million. Um, and he took me, like, to a $200 lunch just to share, you know, uh. and just to help. And I think the thing that yeah. really helped me out was he never joined my company. He never bought any products, but he supported me. He's like, hey, you know, Simon, whatever you do. And this is the guy, by the way, he was stuck in 1968, 69. He was stocking shelves at a drugstore. Like he grew up in, he was like a Chinese guy growing up in Compton. So yeah. he's probably got picked on. And But he got inspired by reading Think and Grow Rich. He never had a high school. He barely, I think he dropped out of high school. But reading Think and Grow Rich be, became worth like $50 million. And then he inspired wow. me. Hey, Simon, whatever you do, don't quit because you're better. At least you're doing something. And that really inspired me. And that, I just had to share that with our listeners. Yeah. I really brought, you know, when you shared about Robert, that brought my memories of my experience. Um, now, getting back to the legend, the MLM legend at the tennis club, what, ha, let me ask you, before he shared, were you ever involved with networking before? Because, I mean, you're in, you grew up in Utah, right? And that's yeah. like the Silicon Valley of MLM companies. <laughs> <laughs> were you ever involved in network marketing before? I wasn't. In fact, I, I counted and I believe I'm pretty, I know I'm pretty close, but the amount that I, the amount of companies that I was approached by, I come up with 11 different companies that approached me and I ended up joining at age 28. So really from age 21 is when I first got approached. At age 28, I was approached by 11 different companies. I showed up to the meetings. Um, I, in fact, I actually had successful individuals in other industries that had approached me um, about network marketing and I never joined once. In fact, a month before I started in network marketing in 2008, I started in August, a month before I started, my best friends in the world down the street 
called me about joining a network marketing company. And I'm not the person that's that's rude. I'm very blunt, but I, I'm very cautious on how I communicate. And I pride myself on that. And I was I was borderline a jerk and rude and said, don't ever call me about anything like this. I have no interest. So you can imagine the embarrassment that I had when I started a month later after shutting down my best friends in the world very adamantly. And what was their reaction when they, when they found out you were in a different company? They were shocked. Uh, their reaction was, I thought you don't do these. And of course you have to, you know, you got to go through and you got to justify why it's different and, and why it made sense. And so, yeah, they, I'm probably, they were probably hurt as well, I can assume. But they were shocked, uh, to say the least. Well, you were probably shocked at yourself. Oh, I was, I was in, honestly, I called one person my first two days because I was so scared of getting rejected. I had to write a personal mission statement that was a couple paragraphs long about me overcoming my fears about how this was my break and opportunity, how stop caring what other people think. And you got to go out if this is your break and opportunity, do whatever it takes. And I had to read that 10 times a day. I literally called one person because the phone weighed, it's like a 500 pound gorilla to me where every time I picked it up, it kept dropping. And then every time I called somebody new after those first two days, when I finally started calling people, I literally prayed that it went to voicemail. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, it was like I was working. But I really wasn't working, right? Because I wanted it to go to voicemail because that's how, how scared and terrified I was when I started. So what made you join that legend? Was it because you saw his success? Uh, what made it? I mean, you, you approached 11 times. She said no. You know that the industry worked, but you kept on saying no. But what made you finally said yes to that guy? Yeah, it was a combination. It was the relationship of trust that we had. I had a mutual. We had a mutual respect. I'd known him for years. It was the fact that he had a ton of success inside of the industry of network marketing. And then the third factor was, is, is it wasn't just that. I, I had been around successful people before. It was the fact that it gave me a plan. I always felt like network marketing was the blind leading the blind. It was clueless showing clueless how to become more clueless. And it was people just saying, call everybody you know, hopefully one sticks, and hopefully it happens. So... I really felt like it was net lottery ticket marketing and I pride myself on being a giver, not a taker. So I didn't want to be that person that was just trying to make a ton of money off my friends with no business plan at all. And so he really mapped it out and he said, look, I'll teach you what 99.99% of people don't know what, what they don't understand. He actually told me that this will be the hardest thing that you ever do, but that's why it's going to be so worthwhile. And he mapped that out, a business plan for me where he said, I'm going to teach you how to treat this like a real business where you won't lose friends or family because in the end, if they do it, great. If they don't, that's fine. You're not going to be desperate. And so he gave me that belief and actually didn't just give me the belief. He taught me that. And that's where I said, you know what? This is actually a real business. I always had people telling me how easy it was. And how, you know, you could make it happen. Who, two, who get two, who get two, get two. And that didn't impress me. In fact, that was a massive turnoff to me because I've always been taught that if it seems too good to be true and smells like that, then it's probably, you know, too good to be true and steer clear of anything that appears to be a get-rich-quick scheme program. Mm, you know, you brought up a really good point. Like, if you want to track, and I'm sure you experienced this, Rob, if you want to track high-quality people, like business-minded, smart people, that, you know, sign up two, brings in two, brings in two, that doesn't work. It's a huge turnoff. Because anyone that's smart and decent know that there's no such thing as, like, like you said, lottery marketing, right? There's no such thing. So I think that legend, obviously, he knows what he's doing. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a legend. Uh, the way he presented to you made a big, big difference. And... So you said that he gave you a plan. What was that plan? I'm so intrigued. What was the plan? Yeah, so he really mapped it out. He talked about how urgency is synonymous with wealth. And he gave both the short-term perspective and long-term perspective. I think too many people are one or the other where it's, it's either all just now and they talk about just the sprint or it's just about the marathon and there's so much long-term perspective, there's no short-term urgency. So he said urgency is synonymous with wealth. 
And so he really taught me how to launch. And he said at the beginning, I'm going to teach you that it's not just about sponsoring a person. He says it's about sponsoring a circle of influence. The average person knows 2,000 people. And so he said, I'm going to teach you how to do that. And so he, he gave me a vision on both the short term of what I was going to do every month on my personal end of, as far as recruiting uh, both, you know, obviously customers, preferred customers, retail customers and distributors, but also what I was going to do as far as duplicating and helping those people and mirroring those people. As he said, you're going to have people that want to walk and people that want to sprint. You're going to sprint with the sprinters. You're going to walk with the walkers. You're going to jog with the joggers. You're going to mirror people. You're going to make it about them. You're going to make it about their goals. And by making it about them and their goals, you'll be able to achieve your goals. And so he mapped it out on a whiteboard and showed me this is what you're going to do month one. These are going to be our goals. This is exactly what we're going to do. You're going to go through and make this amount of contacts. And then month two, you're going to do this and this and this. And he went through it over the course of a year. And he said, and then this is where we're going to be at a year from now. Obviously, everything doesn't go perfectly as planned. But the fact that he had a clear-cut plan on what to do and how to do it, it was a science, and success is a science. And that made sense to me where it was a real business plan, and that's where it, it got exciting to me. That's where I got passionate and said, you know what, I can do this. This could be my out, even though I love tennis. I knew I had no more income potential or really time freedom at the ten tennis club. And so I felt like, you know what, this could help me to achieve my dreams and my goals, and I can help a lot of other people along the way. Hmm. So let's go back to after you got started. You talked about you were so scared of rejection. You're hoping the voicemail will come up. Did you have <laughs> success in the even with this plan? Did you have success in the first couple of weeks, couple of months? Yeah. So at the very beginning, I called the one person, and that was the worst call ever because I did the whole. Hey, so I just want to get your opinion on this thing. What do you think? It was like so indirect and it was so just no confidence at all. This person said, yeah, good luck to you. I think you could do well. And they had no interest at all. And so I knew that I messed up and I couldn't figure out how to really approach people where I was a giver because I knew I was a giver. I knew I was providing an opportunity, but my my fear was I was going to be perceived as a taker. So my question to myself was, how can I approach somebody with passion and confidence in a way that they perceive me as a giver, in a way that it's not awkward, in a way that I don't become part of the NFL, the No Friends League, right? So I said, I don't want to be part of that all-exclusive NFL No Friends League. And so I came up with this approach after a couple days of doing absolutely nothing where I called people up and I was finally just straight to the point. I was on the phone for less than two minutes and I, I just straight up said to them, now this doesn't work for everybody. I'm teaching principles. I'm teaching my story. Understand I live in Utah. Everybody knows about network marketing and the worst thing you can ever do is hide behind that and try to trick people or anything like that. So I was just straight up. I said, look, this is going to be totally outside the box. You may even laugh at me, but that's okay. I got involved with network marketing. I'm 100% in. You know me. You know I do whatever it takes to be successful. I'm going to do whatever it takes. These are my goals. And I said really high goals because those were my goals. And you know what? My goal is to achieve this dream in two years. But it may take me five, six, seven years. I'm realistic. But whatever it takes, I'm going to do that. The products are incredible. The company's incredible. The mentorship's incredible. I know everybody says their company's different and everybody says everything's different. So come take a serious look. If you think it's different, let's do it. If you don't, point me in the right direction. We'll still be friends. Nothing will be awkward. So I was selling them taking a look because I understood that it worked. I believed in the systems, the mentorship, the products, the company, but I didn't know how to explain it yet. So that first month, I did that. And once I got going, because my mentor told me that we're friends, but if you don't start calling people today, I'm done with you and I'm never working with you again. And he said, I'm telling you that out of just being friends. He said, I don't have time for it. And he said, we can go back to just being friends and I don't mentor you, but you'll appreciate it later. And so if you're going to go, go. And so I felt that sense of urgency. And so, yes, I had 
a tremendous amount of success. I had $45,000 in sales those first three weeks. And then, Simon, I think the most important part of that story is, is not just that I kept it simple with a very straight-up approach, which was refreshing, is month two, I quit my job. And I quit it way too early. I never recommend that. I recommend everybody's different, but at least they've got a steady residual income for months upon months and when their organization actually needs their time as well. So there's a balance. I won't go into that. But I quit my job that was a career based off a bonus check, which I have to take responsibility for because I thought, you know what, if I, if I did this well month one, month two, I'm going to kill it. And month two, I got my butt kicked because I didn't keep it simple. I became the expert. I tried to give them an hour pitch on the phone. And so I went from working part-time knowing very little and keeping it simple and passionate where I crushed it to month two where I did it full-time with a ton more knowledge and I absolutely got smoked and it was devastating because at the time instead of four kids I still had two kids, mortgage, cars, a wife, a family to pay for and uh, it wasn't it wasn't pretty as, as, as you can imagine. I, I know you got your your lovely family and you can only imagine what uh, something like that is is going through especially when you don't have that security of, of making that kind of money on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake, two biggest mistakes that people make. Actually, three. I mean, and you just nailed, nailed all of them in that last couple of minutes there. Number one is people going full-time too early, right? Uh, number two, because the stress and pressure, I mean, just from one or two months and going too early, it, like you said, it's from bonus checks. And also, it's not stable yet. Uh, number yep. two is like, most people go full-time early, too early because there's not that much to do. <laughs> like you, you had brought it up that the team doesn't need you to go full-time. What you need is better time management, not more exactly. time. Because you're gonna, what you're going to end up doing is sleeping more, doing all this other stuff. The admin work doesn't even pay. Actually, when part-time actually makes you more productive because you have limited time. you got to make things happen. And then th- the second thing you talked about was basically what happened to me as well. And I think for me, it was a lot of ego and pride, right? You get to the point that you know a lot. So, oh, I don't need my upline anymore. I don't need my yep. Let me explain. I can do it too. I'm the leader. And then you realize that people join not because you of your expertise, it's because of the simplicity. Yep. And and then the third thing is, uh, you, you know, you you said your mentor. I mean, it's a big mistake with people with downlines. Your mentor basically said to you, he's in your exact words was, he's done with you unless you make the cause. And I think a lot of people they ended up you have downlines where they don't do much, and that's just part of life, right? Like it's just like people go to the gym, sign up for a gym membership, they just don't go, but. All these uplines, they're wasting time trying to, is it, you know, they, they, I think they asked me the word resurrect. How do you resurrect a downline? You don't. You move on and find new find new people. So three big lessons that ML Nation, make sure you pay attention. I'm going to repeat them again. Number one, it's going full-time too early. Number two is overcomplicating, trying to be the expert like what Rob did instead of keeping it simple. And third is, you know, if you have downlines, work with people that deserve your time. And if they don't, you know, they can still be your friends, but they're not going to be business uh, partners anymore because they, you have to use your time wisely. So, Rob, uh, getting back to you, month month one was awesome. Month two was terrible. Uh, and then what happened? What was the turning point in your business? Yeah, it was basically after that. I tell people there's three different types of people. Everybody always talks about the two di- different types of people. They talk about being a, a victim or a survivor. And I feel like uh, there's three types. I think there's victims, which we all know who victims are. And sometimes we're different types of people in different parts of our lives, right? Business, family, different relationships, whatever. Um, Sports, musical talents, doesn't matter. And then there's survivors. And I think survivors are actually the group that's just hanging on. I think conquerors are the ones that are taking massive action. So I was in survival mode where I was too prideful to quit in a good way. I was too stubborn. I Once I commit to something, I commit. I'm all in. I do whatever it takes. I, I am very tough. I may not be the best. I may not be the fastest, but I feel like I'm as tough as it gets. I know I'm not the smartest, but I know I'm tough. And so I was extremely, extremely tough. And so all of a sudden now, October comes and I'm in management mode where I'm basically just hoping people do what I did. 
And I'm just managing them, teaching them to do what I did that month one. I'm still trying to ride that month one wave rather than leading from the front. You know, we, we always teach and we've always been taught, right? Speed of the leader, speed of the pack. And so for me, you know, whatever you do well duplicates sometimes. Whatever you do poorly almost always duplicates. And so people were following my lead of doing absolutely nothing. And so it came all of a sudden October, my check, you know, went down, November went down, December, I think I'm working my butt off where I'm doing this full time. And in my mind, I'm probably working a lot harder than I'm actually working because working in this business is talking to new people. And all I'm doing is managing the people that I have. So December comes. I work in my mind full time where I'm working 60 plus hours a week. I've got 10,000 minutes on my phone. I've got 7,000 plus texts and I'm doing all the calls, all the managing as I like to say now. My check is less than $400 for the month. I'm used to from the tennis club making $8,000 a month. Now I have another check where it's the lowest of lows. I just quit a career. That was my identity. I was a tennis guy. That's the only thing I'd ever done in my life. I finally make a move. I'm all in, but not really. And now I'm like, oh, great. What do I do? I go on a cruise that was scheduled the very last week of the month. It goes over New Year's. And on that cruise, it's the first time I had ever unplugged from the business. And anyone who's been in this industry that's been plugged in, and then all of a sudden you come unplugged, it's like you get paralyzed. So I'm paralyzed. And in that moment on the cruise, I said, you know what? When I come back, either I have to go all out and take massive action or I need to move, move on. No excuses. I can't be a victim. I got to take responsibility. Either I'm in or I'm out because being in the survivor mode for me is not going to work because it was a full-time income for me or at least that's what I needed. And so there was just a decision that was made. I don't remember the exact moment. I remember that whole week thinking about it. I remember reading multiple books to try to help me overcome it. I remember listening to multiple audio books and I got home and I said, you know what? That's it. I'm all in. I told my wife I was all in because like I said, when I commit to something, I commit, I'm tough. So by telling my wife that helped me, you know, I told a, a couple of people that were in my organization and I took all out massive action. So rather than focusing on my fears, I started focusing on all the solutions and my organization went up three and a half times volume-wise. It never dipped below that again. And I still had highs and lows. I still had residual checks that weren't high enough. I still had incredibly high checks as well. But at that point, that's, that's when I was finally – because you think you're all in, but you can never be fully committed to something until you're actually going through that. I mean you know that. We all know that, right? I, I thought I knew that, but I had to learn that. And that's, that's what I call really kind of that, that turnaround moment where finally the decision was made. There was no turning back. It was all in, all out, massive action. What would you – and by the way, uh, before I go into this question, when you say massive action, you're talking about just hardcore prospecting, right? None of that management mode stuff again, correct? Co correct. All out massive action was talking to new people. And if somebody wasn't getting me on with new people, then I figured I needed to do it myself. I love that. How many new people would you talk to on a daily basis? So our goal was, when I say goal, I've got a business partner. Uh, when I started this industry, our goal was 100 new calls, not new calls, I should say 100 calls a day. So that could count talking to people in your organization as well. And when they weren't matching your energy or effort, we made new calls. My very first month in the industry, I made 250 new calls, which I know is almost unfathomable. But that's why I was able to have $45,000 in sales. It wasn't by coincidence. I kept calling. So then after that, it depended on the month. If, if I had someone that was new and hot and a sprinter, then they were putting me on with new people and those people were putting me on with new people. But if they weren't, then yeah, I would be making sometimes – you know, 10, 15 new calls a day, and that was great. But I quickly found out that it isn't about just how many new calls you make. It's about how many third-party validations you have. And so now I teach people I'd rather have you make 10 new calls with 10 third-party validations than make 100 new calls with zero third-party validations because 
there's just a science to hearing another voice. Maybe you're too good for the person you're talking with and they're like, well, I don't resonate with you. Maybe you're not good enough. Maybe it's just your personality. Whatever the reason is, there's a magic to having that third party. And so that became the biggest emphasis and focus. And to this day, even still, I always get another voice on because I had that hard learning lesson where it didn't work. And now I know exactly what works with getting that third-party voice on. Mm, that was very inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. So I just want to go over this. This is so good. So good. Because I know a lot of people say, I want to take massive action. And you ask them how many phone calls they made. So I talked to three people today. You know, anything is massive <laughs> action. Um, so you said that you make 100 calls a day between you, you, know, you and your business partner. 100. And that could be in downline. And correct yep. me if I'm wrong. I'm just recapping here. Yes. And in your first month, when you made that big, big check, it was... 250 new calls. And that means like new people. Right? Yes. And your rest of the goal is 10 to 15 new calls a day. And then you added the third party validation, which is basically yes. bringing to the upline or downline or someone else, right? So mm-hmm. if like uh, Rob, you called me and just say I was a prospect, you called me and then you had a, your upline or your downline do the third party validation, would that count as a call for you? Absolutely. Yep. It was anything. It was just trying to have as much influence as possible at the beginning. And then after that, we had to dial it in with becoming more effective with that influence, with that same amount, those same amount of calls that we were making. So these new calls, right? They, um, the new prospects, I just want to uh, clarify, right? New calls. That means mm-hmm. a new prospect. Uh, how did you get so many people? To, what did you, it, and I think the beautiful part of it, you didn't care about whether they say yes or no. And I think a lot of people, they put too much emphasis on, I got to get the sign up. I got to get, I got to sell the product. Yeah. You just care about the new call, right? So it could be, what did it, it could be anyone that you come across or walk with. It could be anyone, correct? Correct. So how I really got those at the beginning, I mean, people always say, I ran, what happens when I run out of contacts? And almost every single one of those people, I'll tell them to go, give me your phone. Let's go through your first 40 people on your phone. And they go through the first 40 people and even almost everybody who's been in the industry for even 10 years, they haven't even contacted half of those first 40 people. And so it's, it's a myth. Like it's more of just a confidence issue more than anything else. And I found that it's a lot harder to make one new call in a day than it is to get in a groove where you make 10, 15 calls where you just don't even, it's almost automatic. You don't even think about it. It becomes a habit where you're just going about, you just go, 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 call, call, call. And, and so that's what I found as I did the business, that it was actually easier taking, taking more action, calling more people than it was calling one person where you spend the whole time analyzed, paralyzed, making the plan for the plan of the plan. And all of a sudden after an hour or two, you call that one person and then they don't even answer the phone half the time. Yeah, this is such good training. I think it's like the equivalent of sports, right? If you're going to warm up and go to the gym, it's much easier to go and have a 30-minute, 60-minute workout than take all that time to go, go to the gym and work out for five minutes, 10 minutes, and go home. Yep. Right? And, and this is such – Nation, this is such good training from Rob Sperry here. It's really, really good. I want to go back because, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, what does it take for success? And basically, Rob is giving you a blueprint of what it takes. When he talks about massive action, that's why he's where he is now. You know, he also did it the other way where he got into management mode and just make a couple of calls a day or whatever and start managing his downlines. And then his income basically went for basically $400 a month, you know, from making a good income to $400 a month and barely surviving. So you know what you need to do. Now, let's go back a little bit. You talked about the nervousness because uh, a lot of people, you, you talk about a lot of people, you know, the 40 people. They think they contacted everyone, right? It really, they haven't. They basically gave me excuses or they think, oh, that person's not going to be interested. They're not, they start making excuses to cover up their fears. So what tip can you give to ML Nation about how to overcome their fears or, or how to increase their confidence? Yeah, that's one of the hardest things I know when we start. There's so many different fears, fear of success, fear of failure, uh, fear of what other people are going to think. There's so many different fears. So this is what I did. I had to have a little conversation with myself, a common sense conversation, right? You know, the the, the whole, you know, what's really the big deal? Think of yourself on, on your deathbed and imagine being worried about what people thought about when when you were alive. And so you kind of start to laugh about it. 
But then finally what I did is kind of the, the really antidote to it, the recipe for helping me to overcome fear was really the books, to be honest. I read a hundred books or listened to in the first 18 months of network marketing because I needed it. Now, even still, I read over 40 books last year, even being in this industry as long as I, I've been in it. But in the beginning, I needed it so bad. So when I had downtime, when I wasn't making new calls, when it was late at night, when it was early in the morning, when it was whatever, when something wasn't going on in this business. Now, there's red time and green time. Obviously, green time is when you know, people are available and when you should be making new calls. Red time is when maybe it's inappropriate to call them or you can't get a hold of anybody or anything like that. So I tried to do it more during red time, but I gave up listening to music and I started listening to, and not to say I never listened to music, but instead of listening to music at the gym, I listened to books and that's what I did. I'd read or listen because I needed to have that positive voice in my head. I needed to be thinking in a positive mindset and so I did that I got on every single type of training call that I could get on to listen I try to watch you know different videos online from different companies and inspirational leaders because again I needed that so every single second that I could books that that really honestly was what got me through and helped me overcome the fear and then after that it doesn't really how much you study or anything like that that's a help but in the end, you just got to do it. I mean, when you read Stephen Covey's book, he talks to the seven highly effective habits. He talks about the most common denominator of success, an essay that was written. And they said successful people are just willing to do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. It's not like they love doing those things. It's they're willing to do them. So I knew that. I knew it was still going to be hard. I knew that all these books helped me. But in the end, the only way I could truly really overcome it was by doing it, by willing to do it. And so I did. I was still scared. It wasn't like the books just took the fear away. It just helped give me more confidence. It helped with the fear. But in the end, I just had to do it. I love it. It's so, so inspiring. I love it. This is awesome training. Uh, Rob, a couple more questions, okay? Um, I know your time is valuable, but this has been so good. And you had brought up, you, had brought up uh, you made $400 a month in that December. What would you consider your worst, worst moment in network marketing? Because I know, you, you know, success is a journey. Would you consider $400 a month the worst moment? Or was there another moment that was just, or maybe even worse, but because you kept on hanging in there, you learned a, lot, a huge valuable lesson from that experience? Yeah, that would be right up there is one of the very, very worst moments. Um, I would, just to kind of give a different perspective on another probably bad moment, uh, is the sophomore slump. I think that's probably one of the hardest for people. Um, I could give a lot of different moments in the business, but I think the sophomore slump. What's the sophomore slump? Honeymoon stage. We know, you know, you're married, I'm married. I feel like I have the greatest marriage that you can possibly have. My wife and I don't miss date night. When I'm out of town, I get back. We make up for it. In fact, tomorrow night, we're going to go see a movie, a late night movie after done with work. And so we always do that. But honeymoon stages, you just feel like we're going to be different. We're not going to have any issues when we get married or anything. We're not going to have any problems or fights. And you get married. you got the honeymoon stage. Everything's going to be perfect. And all of a sudden, you get the sophomore slump. I don't care who you are. I don't care how great your relationship is because I feel like I have the greatest relationship there is. You're going to go through issues. There are differences. And so when I went through the sophomore slump, that for me was all of a sudden you realize that it's going to be harder than you thought. Everything worthwhile in life is harder than you thought. Everything. Go ask anybody who's had success. Michael Jordan, Will Smith, Oprah, anybody. They're going to tell you, you know what? That was a lot harder than I thought. And so for me, it was when the friends and the family that I thought were going to be with me, that I thought were going to crush this business with me, it was when they quit, that was that sophomore slump. It was when the business was you know, hard. And it was like that, just that freezing cold water somebody threw on my face because you got people that you care about. And now all of a sudden they're telling you how it's too hard. And, oh, I had someone, one, one person tell me, you know, they, they made $2,000 in their first two months 
and they quit because they said it wasn't enough money. And I'm thinking in my mind, most businesses don't turn a profit. Most businesses don't turn a profit for three years. You're treating this like net lottery ticket market. You're not treating this like a real business like we talked about. But even still, they're telling you that. And so they're trying to indirectly, sometimes directly, pull you down with them. And that was hard. These are the people that I love and I care about. And so actually one one group of friends, that really, really close couple that I was friends with, I actually just had to tell them, that, hey, look, like, you know, with based on everything you said, I don't know if this business is for you. And we're still friends. And I basically told them, obviously, it's their own decision, but I recommended that they be done. Now, of course, I always believe in everybody. Of course, I want the best of everybody. Of course, I'm going to empower and help them. But at this point, you could just tell that they were already done. And so... Yeah, that's what I did. And so that was probably for me one of the other hardest moments in my business. And I think it is for most people is they go through the honeymoon stage. This is going to be so great. They say they know it's going to be hard, but in the back of their minds, oh, yeah, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to achieve my dreams. And then all of a sudden they realize that it's work. And all of a sudden they have friends quit and they got family quit. And they got to get through the goo. They got to get through the sophomore slump. And if they can make it through, then that's when they're usually pretty tough and they're pretty solid. But that's the part where I think most people get stuck, where most people actually quit in this business. Hmm. In your eight years, uh, Rob, how have you seen the network marketing profession change and where do you see it going? I love the way the industry's changed. I feel like with the information age, with social media and everything, we're more than we're more connected than ever. I feel like it's much easier to build an international business. I feel like we're much more similar uh, from an international standpoint because we influence each other more than ever. Whereas back in the day, you know, styles, trends, mindsets, TV shows, movies, whatever, you didn't know what other people were watching or, or wearing or doing or thinking. And nowadays, we all get to see what each other's doing. And so we're much more similar than ever. We're much more connected than ever. I think social media has also influenced us where we know what's possible. We see what other people are doing and it's helped us to dream bigger where lifestyles become more important than ever. Um, I think because of, of our communication now with whether it's FaceTime, Skype, whatever, Google Hangout, just, just video calling, all these different features that we have, I feel like we're becoming more effective with our time. And it used to be where people just, how much office time can I show and get the job done and stay overtime? And I think uh, back then it was like people would miss their kids' functions because they had to show office time. And now it's like, it's almost not cool. It's almost unacceptable if you're the dad, at least that's my perception, or the mom that's working and you're missing your kids' functions. Like they almost encourage you to do that. And be a part of that. And so I think more and more the network marketing industry is becoming appealing where people want lifestyle more than ever. They want to do what they want when they want. And they want to make it where it's more performance based where if they want to work from 8 p.m. to midnight, then they can. But they can go hit the lake for, for the day. I think people want that. And I think especially nowadays with you've got Amazon where – you know, it's, it's not creating jobs, it's taking jobs away, even though I love Amazon. I got 90% of, of my Christmas on Amazon, Christmas presents. You got UPS and FedEx that are talking about very soon, almost everything's going to be automated with machines. And so I think the world is changing more and more, and the industry's changing. And the last thing I'll say is, is I feel like more and more the industry is, is looking at, at doing things better and better. Uh, training systems are getting better. We're getting more educated. Uh, things like MLM Nation, you know, where we could experience all these other great leaders and learn from each other. Uh, I also feel like it's becoming, even though there'll always be hype, I feel like more and more. And there's a difference between dreaming big and hype. Dreaming big's okay. Dreaming big's more than okay. It's great. It's it's necessary. That's what I love about network marketing. One of the things. But I feel like there's a lot more substance. And people are, are attracted to that with network marketing, whereas I feel like years ago it was a lot more of just hype, and now it's a lot. It's becoming more and more of more substance. Uh, and so I love 
the way the industry has evolved. I love the way the industry is, is changing, and I firmly believe that it's becoming more and more not are you part of network marketing, which company are you part of, which just gets me excited. As we go towards the end of the show, some really quick questions to pick your brain, Rob. Okay, so these could be really uh, one or two word answers or one sentences. Uh, the first one is, what is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you? Successful people just do the basics better. What's one habit that's helped you become successful, aside from the 100 calls a day? Discipline. I haven't missed reading personal development for eight years. I haven't missed the gym for at least eight years. I haven't missed a week. I've only missed reading some sort of spiritual reading once, which I'm still mad about that I forgot and missed. And so I feel like uh, everybody always talks about maximums. Uh, I feel like you tell me your minimums, and I'll tell you how successful you'll be. What do you do when you feel like doing nothing? I love it. I feel like you're like my brother, my, the mirror image of me. <laughs> um, wh- and I think a lot of people don't understand that, right? The discipline. It's like, but makes us, it's like people think that's a boring life, but it makes you feel good to be disciplined. It does. Yeah. It makes you feel like, even if, you, even if the rest of the day goes, you know, there's things that come up, but the fact that you can do those things, exercise, spiritual, and reading, you know, it's like, you feel like it's a win already. It doesn't matter what happened if you won that day. 100%. What's the best piece of advice you ever received, Rob? In network marketing, I would say most underpaid business in the beginning, most overpaid business in the end. That gave me massive, massive perspective and got me through those tough times. What's your favorite prospecting tool? So say you have a prospect who's interested. Do you send them a link to an online video? Do you meet them for coffee and use a newsletter? Or do you do a Skype meeting right away or webinar? What do you like? Yeah, it obviously depends on the person. I think uh, there's not as much leverage, obviously. But I think when you meet with somebody in person, there's that personal feel. It's more powerful. I think when you do some sort of uh, video, whether it's Uvu, Google Hangouts, Skype, uh, you got that personal touch. Uh, so the beginning, I always did more of that as it's more, it's much more impactful and powerful as my organization grew then uh, obviously I create more tools as leverage with webinars and with websites and with videos. Uh, and I let a lot of those masses, those leaders that are, are being cultivated and, and learning, I let them do a lot of those face-to-face. And then as those people are interested, it, it, as those people are on a scale 1 to 10, interest level at a 7 or above, then I will follow up as an additional exposure or as an additional validation. Do you have a favorite online resource like a Dropbox or Evernote or like a favorite app on your phone that you can recommend? I use both Dropbox and Evernote. I don't. I can't even choose between those two. I 100% love both of those. I use Dropbox and I save all of my videos and use a lot of the content there. And I actually uh, use Evernote for all of my notes. Like I said before, you're like a mirror image of me. <laughs> <laughs> I love those two. Uh, out of all the books that you've read, what's one or two books that you could recommend to ML Nation? Ooh, let me give different than the standard answer because I could name all of them as I've read so many. I will give a recent one, Give and Take, by Adam Grant. And I'm not going to give it away, but he's going to talk about who makes more, givers, takers, or matchers. And he's going to talk about ambitious givers. And he's going to give you studies, not just theories. And then another little-known book is Put Your Dreams to the Test by John Maxwell. Everybody always talks about all the John, Ma- John Maxwell books, which I absolutely love. But Put Your Dreams to the Test is one of the most relevant books when you're building your network marketing business as it will talk about everybody going through their, their dreams and the tests that they have had. Awesome recommendations. And Give and Take is a fantastic read by Adam Grant. Uh, and I am on nation. I know you love audio because you listen to the show. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing free audio book at MLMNationBook.com. That is MLMNationBook.com. So, Rob, here's the last question, the million-dollar question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hey, ML Nation, before we go into the million-dollar question from Rob Sperry, you know, if you want to sponsor and like hit those numbers that Rob talked about, you need to know how to sponsor, right? You need to know how to avoid the five deadly prospecting mistakes. You 
you do need to know how to have the confidence, have posture. You do need to know how to close people. And I teach all this in a free two-hour workshop. Okay, it's a webinar actually, but it's a pretty intense webinar. That's why it's called a, a workshop. It's not something that you just put on and then you can watch TV, Facebook, or checking on your phone. You do get a notebook, take notes. I'm going to teach you how to have confidence, how to guide your prospects, how to uh, overcome objections. Really good training. It's one of my most popular trainings. It's free. Uh, all you have to do is register for it. Sponsoringworkshop.com. Sponsoringworkshop.com. And the cool thing is because we have a global audience, I've also offered a different time zone. So it doesn't matter whether you're in Africa, Middle East, Europe, uh, North America, or Asia, or Australia. You can catch, it, catch one at your local time. So again, go to sponsoringworkshop.com. And it would be, basically, you learn... The things that help me out to sponsor one person a week. That's why I did for over two years and basically built the business I have today that pays me six-figure residual income. So, okay, so check it out, sponsoringworkshop.com. Now, let's listen to Rob, what, he's, what he has for his million-dollar question. Here's the million-dollar question. Imagine you had to start all over again and you knew no one. So you didn't even know your wife and kids. You knew no one. But yet all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. So you're kind of like an alien that went to another planet but you spoke <laughs> English. What's the first thing you do to find prospects or the first place you go to find prospects so you can build an MLM business from scratch? Well, I actually pretty much did that. I, I'm not going to go into detail, but I started all over from scratch, not taking anybody from a previous organization. Started with somebody brand new who I didn't have a previous connection with. And so I can go through that and I build an organization much bigger uh, than I did at that previous organization uh, where I was the, the top recruiter out of a million distributors in that previous organization. And so uh, what I did is I just started with the basics. I said successful people just do the basics better. And so it doesn't matter who you find, how you find them. You find one person, and once you find that person, whether it's cold calling or through an association of somebody knows them or you barely know them, it doesn't really matter. I could show up to any market and do it all over again because true wealth is ability. It's not what you have in the bank. And I call it taprooting. And so with taprooting, like I said earlier, I was taught you never recruit a person. You recruit a circle of influence. And so as I would start with somebody, obviously I would use education, um, educating them on the products. I try not to ever go into too much depth on the products. And I tell them this. It's not because the products aren't important. The products are the foundational piece. The products are, if not the most important, the right up there is the most important part of this business, but I can't do them justice. And so I always refer them and I do it with them a lot of times where I'm online with them and show them because, again, what you already talked about, what works is what duplicates. And you talked about, you know, keeping it simple to duplicate. And so I make sure that I'm showing them tools and using tools so that it's not all about me because I want them to look at me and say, I can do what you're doing. So then the next part is, is I'm going to give them vision. Good leaders have vision. Everybody's going to tell you in their business they have vision. Great leaders know how to give vision. It's communicating to one their worth and potential so well that they see it in themselves. Everybody has a goal. Everybody has a dream. And I believe that everybody's goal and dream is time freedom in financial freedom, it's just what does that specifically look like for them? Is it humanitarian traveling? Is it just being able to do what they want when they want? Is it whatever it is, hanging out at the beach all day? For some people, it's cars and houses. Uh, it doesn't really, everybody has a different dream. And so I'm going to ask questions because questions are the answers. And then I'm going to show them based on what their goals are, based on what their dreams are how I can help them to achieve that. And I'm going to do that in a way that we're going to dream big, but I'm not going to do it in a way that's hype. I'm going to give them what I believe to be you know, a, a, an average. And I tell them this is not an exact science. Most people are going to take one year to learn how to do this, three years to make a full-time income, five years to make a big income, seven years to make a world-class income. Some people are going to take a lot longer. Some people are going to absolutely shatter that and go much, much faster, but I'm giving them a vision. I've already educated them on the products. And then right away, once I've helped this person to get started, 
in this business. I'm not going to go have them watch a training for two or three or four days. Tell me to call me if they need something. I think too many people do that. If, if you do that when you start in this business, especially if you know what you're doing, if you don't, don't get overwhelmed. You're going to use your mentor and your leader to help you taproot, just like I did, as I told you guys at the beginning of the call, as I used my mentor as third-party validation. You can use your leaders, whoever they are, your tools, whoever they are. But if you just do that and tell people, hey, call me if you need something and you think you're a supportive upline or leader, what you're doing is you say, here's a new plane for you to fly. And inside the plane, there's a training manual. Go read it. That doesn't work. you got to be co-pilot with them. So right away, when I start with somebody, I'm going to teach them. Here's basically what you say. You keep it less than two minutes. You tell your story. I'm teaching them principles that are very simple. Like I told you guys in, in my initial invitation that I made my first month, I didn't go in depth on products or business or anything. I sold my story. I sold my goals. I sold my commitment. I sold them taking a look whether that's a look at a third-party tool, whether that's a webinar, whether that's meeting in person, whether that's whatever tools you have, whatever your leaders teaching you. And so I get people launched right away. Training doesn't work, work trains. They can get trained and go watch the training that night before they go to bed. But for all I know, if I just say, hey, go call me if you need something, fear's going to set in. They're going to wake up the next morning. Friend told them or best friend told them, hey, that's not going to work. And all of a sudden they quit and you're like, well, what happened? Well, as Jim Rohn says, the birds got to him. So that's what I do. That's what I've done when I start all over again. That's what I would do. Uh, fingers crossed that never, ever, ever happens, right, Simon? But that's exactly what I would do without going into too much depth is I would really focus on, on taprooting, holding their hands, making this as a team and being co-pilot with them. And then eventually after that, you can't do everything for everyone. At some point – you know, it's like a baby learning to walk. You got to let the baby fall a little bit. Let them know, hey, I'm still here for you as you're learning to walk. But now I'm going to help some of the people in your organization get launched and uh, and you move on. And so it's it's recruit, duplicate, and then train, recruit, duplicate, and then train. Awesome advice. And you are definitely a giver from a give and take by Adam Grant. So thank you for sharing that detail. Uh, Rob, as we wrap up, any last words of advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect and contact you? Absolutely. So you could go to my Facebook and always find me there. I love being very active on my Facebook, just my name, Rob Sperry, S-P-E-R-Y. Uh, you can find me on my, my website slash blog, robsperry.com. And uh, words of advice? Uh, I would just leave everybody parting ways. Rich people think long-term, poor people think short-term. That's spiritually, financially, that's physically, that's in everything in life. And so just remember, when things are going bad, they're never as bad as you really think. And when they're going well, they're probably not as good as you really think. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Stay the course. When you commit to something, focus on solutions and do everything you can to make it happen because I believe so much in this industry that – it's more than just the money. Just like I said with those very, very successful people, I'm like, oh, rolled my eyes. Of course, because you've made the money. But I've really, really learned that from this industry, I am a better husband, father, leader, friend, and there's no price that you can put on that. And because of that, money has become a byproduct. So you focus on becoming a better person in this business. I firmly believe money will actually become a byproduct of it. So I just really appreciate what MLM Nation's doing, what you're doing, Simon, you and your entire team. And I uh, love, love watching all the trainings and, and uh, learning from those trainings. So thank you so much for your time. And, uh, and I appreciate you letting me, allowing me to be on and be interviewed. An awesome train from Rob Sperry. You know, Emma Mason, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you've been hanging out with Rob Sperry. So keep up the momentum and go to mlmnation.net and type in Rob, R-O-B, at the search bar. And Rob Sperry will pop right up the show notes and all the nuggets of wisdom. And Rob's contact info will be right there. Definitely connect with him. What an amazing leader and awesome training and advice that he shared, just shared with us today. In order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So, Rob, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with MLM Nation. We're grateful to you, and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thanks again, Rob, and God bless you. MLM Nation, before we 
Go to the recap and review. Awesome show. Real quick, if you want to get organized, save money, use your MLM business as a to save money from taxes, you definitely need good documentation, tracking receipts and stuff, tracking your receipts, documentation, your mileage. Here's a tool that definitely helped me out. It's not just for MLMers, but even if you have a real estate agent business, definitely very useful. It's called TaxSpot. Okay, TaxSpot uh, tracks your mileage. Everything's on your phone. You just press the button, automatically track it for you. You take pictures of your receipts. And the cool thing is, when you meet your accountant, no longer you have to pull all the receipts out of your shoebox and line them up. It's all document PDFs are automatically generated. It can just send it off to your accountant. Makes it so, so, so much easier. And uh, highly recommend it. So if you want to check it out, go to mlmnation.net forward slash tax. Okay, mlmnation.net forward slash tax. And you can learn more about it. Go check it out. And now let's go to the recap review for an amazing show and training from Rob Sperry. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan again. And a quick recap. I'll make this quick as possible, but it was such a good interview and training from Rob Sperry. Make sure you go to MLMNation.net and just put Rob at the search bar and connect with him. Awesome, awesome training. Um, he gives you the exact details of what you need to do, right? He talked about the difference between taking action and management mode. He took action immediately. He made 250 new calls on his first month, and that's how he generated over $45,000 in sales. And then he went to management mode, and he became the expert. I think he talked about the three big mistakes, right? Number one big mistake is, is that people make. Number one is people quit the job way too early. Right, just one good month doesn't mean you make the make that income all the time. They quit way too early. Uh, normally, you don't need more time because your team doesn't even need you more time. You need better time management. That's what you need. And we talk about this over and over again. Quitting, going, quitting your job, going full time too early. Number two is becoming that expert, right? And that I know I experienced that. I just I shared on the show where I thought I knew it all. I didn't need my upline. I could do it all. I could explain. I could do all the talking. I knew all about the products, the pay plan. But hey. People join because it's simple. Again, I always talk about it. You want to create the perception the business is simple, that anyone can do it. Like any, I'm sorry if I offend anyone, any dumb idiot can do the business. That is what you need to portray. When you're presenting the business, that is the most important thing is in a prospect, and they're, you know, when they're, uh, they have these doubts, is can I do this? And by the way, check out my sponsoring workshop. I actually go over how to approach and some of the five daily mistakes and how do you overcome that uh, in terms of keeping the business simple, how to do that. But the biggest, you know, one of the biggest, it's not like is this is this legal, is it a pyramid scheme. The biggest doubt, because a lot of times your prospect, they trust you, but they have doubts, like, can I do this? And that's when I can't sell, I don't have enough time, all these objections come up if you start sounding like an expert. So keep it simple. So Rob became an expert, start talking too much, you know, he lost people. It's, it's, his business turned around when he went back to keeping simple, leveraging his upline, leveraging uh, what we call third-party validation. Really good point. Third mistake that people make is um, a lot of times and his mentor had the right approach was he said, I'm done with you. You don't make a call. And how often, and I made this mistake so many times, was downlines don't even deserve your time. They're not working, but they're still we are still wasting our time trying to convince them, convince them to do something. Move on, okay? Move on. Let me go to the more of the notes. I have a huge, like, two pages of notes here. You know, uh, you know, Rob talked about you got to be the person you become, right? Be that person, and success comes to you. And I've, you know, I ta- I shared about that uh, in the anniversary episode of my story. You got to be before you become. So, how did Rob increase his confidence? He was nervous. Self development. He's read over like how many books? He read hundred books in the in the first eighteen months, and he's still reading. It's incredible. It's just because personal development, as you grow your mind, not only do you think differently, but you attract better people because your thinking changes. When your thinking changes, you know, you you get along with better different people. Other people want to get to know you better. The people that used to ignore you all of a sudden want to get to know you. So it's working on that mindset. Um, other things uh, that he, the other good uh Things that Rob shared about was tap rooting, right? Working deep, not just working with people you sponsored, but going deep in the lines. And why? Because you're building relationships, you're building long term, and it's really build stability. Uh, that's the next thing is you talk about three types of people there's the victims, there's the survivors, and then the conquerors, right? Victims do, don't do anything, survivors doing a little bit, just hang on, but the conquerors take massive action. And it was, you know, Rob had to go through that, you know, $400 a month. 
where he gave up a you know full time career, six figure income to make four hundred dollars a month. You know he had family, and he that cruise that he went there that he basically said, hey he made that decision. I'm gonna go all out and go to hitting the numbers. So the numbers that he did was a hundred calls a day. You know whether through downlines or prospects, and he had to go with at least ten to fifteen of those calls had to be new people. So new people could be people in the street, anywhere you meet, or random strangers go call a phone book or people on Facebook, whatever it is, ten to fifteen new calls a day, and also leveraging off third party validation. Um, what else is there? There's so many good nuggets here. It, would be, it could last forever. And I think uh, being that person, I'm going to ask being that person is so important because Rob had been approached 11 times, 11 times in network marketing, never joined, right? Finally joined that one guy because that guy was successful. He was attracted to that person. Again, it's be, you have to be before you become. Be that person and success comes. It's not like, let me become successful, and then, then I start becoming that person. It's the other way around. Um, also, giving and take, and obviously, uh, there's an awesome book, Give and Take. By the way, the audiobook to that is re- equally amazing. You get an audiobook, if you want, you can get a free audiobook, Give and Take by Adam Grant. Just go to mlnationbook.com. Uh, but being a giver, giver, I don't want to give out the give away the book, but givers like Rob, obviously, you know what's going to happen to him. And Rob was super, super giving. Especially, um, what impressed me was the million-dollar question. He could answer it simply, but he went all into detail about how to train those group of people that he met as well. So, really good stuff. Definitely connect with him. He's an amazing, amazing leader, doing amazing things in the profession. Uh, I got to talk to him. I got to know him a little bit even before and after the interview. Just incredible individual. What he's done just, you know, eight years. Really, really impressive. So, definitely connect with him. MLNation.net. Go to Rob, R-O-B, last name Sperry, S-P-E-R-R-Y, but you put in Rob, will come up, connect with him, and... If you like these shows, please subscribe, rate, and a review on iTunes. They really mean a lot to our team. We have a whole five people that put this together. And share this with the MM profession. It's just really cool. Uh, like Rob says, you know, one of these days, people are not going to ask you, are you network marketing? But they'll be asking you, what company are you with? Because it's going to be more and more. We, you know, we are 100 million strong. It's only going to get stronger and stronger and bigger and bigger. So thank you, MM Nation, for listening. And remember, we're in the profession to help others, so go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.